Thank you. Welcome to Schmears the Deal. I'm Nick Feynman here with Jake Seawalk. Jake, where are we today? Uh, we're in my neighborhood at, at Cosars Bagels and Bialis. On the Lower East Side, Lower East Manhattan. Side. Very excited about it. We are very excited about it. Today, we have an interview with one of the owners of Cozar's Bialis, Dave Zablocki. We're going to do our recurring che- segment, Mention Schmuck of the Week. We'll review the big short. We'll break down a little bit of Kanye West. Is he crazy? Is he a genius? And we'll talk about some other people in context yeah. with that. Is that that's a good, good rundown, you'd good. say? Yeah. <laughs> and just a quick plug for us. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes and review if you like it. We are here at Cozar's today, uh, which is just been rebuilt, but we're sort of we're sitting at the front of the store at the counter. Jake, do you want to describe the store a little bit if possible? Yeah, so you walk in, and as soon as you walk in, you notice a uh, please take a number ticket dispenser above an entire display of Bialis follow behind it a display of bagels fish mirror and then at the back wall there's a uh, clear glass and you can see them uh, baking baking everything uh, right in front of your very eyes and we've actually been saying since the moment we stepped in here how cool we thought this store was uh, and that's in big thanks to one of the new owners of Kozar's Dave Zablocki who joins us now Dave how you doing I'm doing well thanks Nick Thanks uh, so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, Uh, No problem. He has also joined us at the counter at the front. So, Dave, I guess we can just ask, you're a new, you, when did you become an owner of Kozar's and how did you sort of go about restarting what was such a great tradition here on the Lower East Side? Well, uh, Nick, uh, you know, about three years ago, my partner and I, Evan Ginniger, uh, we took over Kozar's from uh, previous owners who were a local Orthodox family. And they had had it from fifth, for the last 15 years after the Kozar family uh, stepped away from the business. You know, my partner and I are both longtime New Yorkers. Uh, I'm a fourth generation New Yorker myself. My family comes out of Poland from world, pre-World War I. And uh, Evan also grew up here on, the, you know, I think originally here on the Lower East Side. Awesome. And yeah, and we uh, were really excited uh, to be able to be stewards of this brand. So about three years ago, there was an opportunity to take over. And uh, we put our heads together and we said, wow, what an iconic New York brand. How, how did you know Evan? Evan and I met through a mutual friend. Uh, we're both a, we were both onto food entrepreneurs. Uh, actually, we both had ice cream adventures prior to this. So it was kind of funny. Um, and we, a mutual friend had linked us together. And, uh, you know, we were looking at some other things. And uh, this just was the right feel. And we said, we can't let this go extinct. And this was days away from becoming a museum honestly and we stepped in and said we can turn this sleepy brand into something huge and i mean as soon as you can step in you can tell there was a pretty specific vision for it and i'm pretty interested to hear where that came from yeah absolutely i mean we you know you buy a business that's 80 years old this year as a matter of fact happy birthday thank you thank you you're welcome yeah 80, 80 years in the bialy and bagel business is no small feat in New York City. And uh, we plan to be here for at least another 80. And we weren't gonna be able to do that without this vision you see in front of you. So, so what changed? And also, and then along with that, I guess, what is the hardest part about restarting or re-jumping a brand like this? Sure, there's you know so much that goes on. It's, it's so dynamic, right? These neighborhoods change. We're gonna break into the Bialy, sorry. Yeah, as please we no. keep going. That's, uh, so we got, we got a traditional Bialy with on, onion Bialy, is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, onion with uh, just butter. 
Yep, it's right. the way to do it. Sorry, re- restarting the business. We yeah. sort of a tradition for us. No, this is m- much more important than my story. Is you guys enjoying that Bialy? For it's sure. great, by the way. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, the 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 thing here is, you know, you have this sleepy eighty-year-old brand that just needed a little bit of love and the right kind of management, and we knew this brand could be tremendous. So we stepped in a few years ago. We were very patient with the brand. We watched the neighborhood, watched the people, made sure that we were here to rescue it, you know, not turn it into something corporate, not turn it into... Has the recipe stayed the same? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've done all our due diligence to make sure we're using the oldest, most authentic recipes, both for bagels and bialis. So everything here has no preservatives of any kind. We don't use any dough conditioners, no chemicals. I mean, that does mean it's a shorter shelf life, but it's fresh bread. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I was here two weekends ago, and you literally could not stand in the (laughs) store. So I don't think shelf life is is really one of your concerns right now. No, no, no. And it it shouldn't be. I mean, this is New York City. This is a, a, a magical place where you should be able to get fresh, hot bread all day long and not have to worry about sticking it in the freezer and will it be here tomorrow we're going to be here tomorrow and the bread will be hot again at 6 a.m you guys are making your own schmear now too that's correct was, was that uh, something that was being done before as well or, or no that's no new. yeah it's that's new you know part of growing this brand and growing this vision again back to the original question of how do you relaunch you know rebrand blow some fire under this smoldering brand and really get it ablaze again and that is think about the neighborhood think about where it's changing how it's evolving and being part of not just the past and honoring that past but recognizing the future and catering to the future and one of the things that we had the opportunity here was to say hey we're going to make all of our stuff in-house we're going to get away from chemicals Yeah, thank you. Away from chemicals, away from preservatives. We're going to make it fresh. We're going to buy the best ingredients we can. With that said, I wanted to make my own cream cheese. The opportunity came up to acquire the brand Schmears. And I said, you know, we love that name. Yeah, how could you not? I mean, it's, and, and yes, I mean, you know, so uh, I, you know, my partner looked at me and he goes, what do you think? I said, what do I think? I was like, buy it. Let's, let's do that. So, you know, I mean, no doubt Kozar's cream cheese could have had a life of its own, but Schmears is just powerful. I How mean, about the fish? How, what are you guys doing with the fish? So, so the fish is, uh, you know, a lot of it is being done by uh, the Smokehouse of New York, which is up in Westchester. They're an awesome partner to have. Uh, these guys make nothing frozen. Everything, again, is fresh. You know, we wanted to get with the best. Are they doing anything specifically with you guys? Yeah, and that's and that's that's a, they're st- awesome strategic partner. You know, turned around to Brett, the owner up there, and I said, you know, I want to do something that's special just for us. He goes, What are you talking about? I go, You know, we're we're kosher style. I said, You know, we're not going to have we, we want to have a breakfast grill, but I, I can't have breakfast meats in that right. sense. I said, What about making a smoked salmon that's almost like bacon? He goes, What do you mean? So we started banging it around between the two of us back and forth while we were closed. And we came up with a molasses-cured, double-smoked salmon. And we're calling it Kozar's Signature Smoked Salmon. And he's adding that to his, you know, array of products. And he does that for other people, you know, Mario Batali. He does Ming Sao. So we've added to that list of celebrity chefs who kind of turned to him to make their smoked salmon. He now has Kozar's Signature Smoked Salmon in his, his quarry of, you know, awesome 
you know, custom-made stands and stuff. Well, along those lines, is that your favorite new item? What is your favorite thing you guys have sort of launched since relaunching? Yeah, I mean, it is by far one of those things. I mean, the, the whole Schmears brand itself is is just awesome, you know? And I, I really try to come up with some cream cheese flavors that you're not going to find elsewhere. Such as? Such as, you know, one of my favorite things is an everything bagel. But when you dress sharp, like you two gentlemen are here today, <laughs> you don't want to make a mess of yourselves, right? You get those seeds all over yourself, and you're like, man, it, it's worth it. But I said, why not mix all that everything bagel seed into the cream cheese? Now you can have a plain bagel, and all that flavor is in the cream cheese. So now you have less mess with all the flavor. So that, that's one of my favorites. You know, obviously, you know, things like... Um, you know, roasted jalapeno and capers. You know, we're doing a horseradish and pickles. That's like, awesome. yeah, That's I mean, really trying to keep it now indigenous, you know, cultural flavors, combining them, putting them together, see what works. And again, things you're not going to find elsewhere. And we also did it in a price point that we're the neighborhood store. We didn't want to be overly priced. It's awesome walking in and seeing $1 next to the Bialis. Isn't that great? It's and awesome. the bagels are a dollar. And you can come in here, I'm telling you, where else can you find a bagel with a schmear? And smoked salmon on it for like seven fifty. I was blown away by that, actually. I was looking yeah. at the prices on your menu last yeah. night. And I also, the one thing I'll say is the thing I've heard about the most since you guys have reopened is that everything bagel cream cheese. A couple of people recommended it to me, and I've also read about it some online, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it's just clever. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it just it makes sense. Makes sense, right? I mean, I can't believe it wasn't done 20 years ago and it wasn't everywhere. So, I mean, that's just the way we think, right? We think simple, but we think clean, we think wholesome, and we're thinking cultural, right? Let's keep it Jewish appetizing. Let's keep it neighborhood. But let's also make it so it appeals to a much savvier customer, which today, thanks to the Food Network and guys like you being out there and getting it out there, that our customers are so much more educated. We can kind of push the, ev the edge a little bit, and that's why now I feel comfortable doing uh, you know, whole wheat bialis and <laughs> olive tapenade bialis and sun-dried tomato pesto bialis because you know, it's not just where there was like you know, a person came in and went, what's a biali? And today they're, they're much more educated, and I can cut that edge a little bit harder, and people are like, thanks. So to answer that question, and, and to just because a bialy is different than a bagel, and th this is, I mean, you're the home of bialy's here. Amen. Just tell us a little bit about what separates bialy's from bagels, the how they're baked differently, sure. et cetera. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it is a completely different piece of bread. What you're talking about here is, uh, for a lack of better definition, I'm going to call it a Jewish English muffin, right? <laughs> it's, it, is, it is a freshly baked piece of bread that's super simple. It's got no fat. It's got no sugar. So you're talking about flour, salt, yeast, and water. Doesn't get any simpler than that. Now, the lore of the Bialy is you had some really poor Jewish, Polish baker back in the day making bread, and the apprentice dropped a piece of bread on the floor. The master baker backed up, stepped on it with his heel, made a dirty mark <laughs> in it, and, and the apprentice is like, wow, I'm going to get in trouble here. So what does he do? He takes some onions and schmears the, across the dirty spot with the indentation in the middle, and the bali was born. <laughs> now, what does that teach us? Waste not, want not, right? So everything has a purpose, everything has its place. Now, it's just a lore, but it's a great story. It was a fresh piece of bread that these people counted on for daily substance. You know, I'm told... Back in the height of the Bialy in, in Bialy Stock Poland, they were, every corner had hot Bialy's, you know, and they would literally run from one corner to the other. And these people lived on this bread. 
Now, to think that in Bialystok, Poland today, there's no Jewish people to speak of. They don't know what a Bialy piece of bread is, or as I'm told, it was called a kuchen. And I think that's Yiddish for, you know, they call these kuchen kitchens. And they were just like, you know, fresh bread bakeries. Are they, are they boiled? No. Not, and that's, so and that's not like Just a fresh, right. It's just a fresh piece of bread. So they're mixed. They're, we ball them up into like little balls. And then we even, we, we get them to, ra- to rise in a very traditional way. Nowadays, you have modern things like proof boxes. We don't use a proof box. We actually stack them in wood boxes that we make to our dimensions. And we stack them on top of each other. This causes almost a chimney of heat, and they get wow. to rise, and they're right. The temperature rises, and out turns a nice, soft, like almost like a baby's bottom, a little piece of <laughs> dough, and it's all done. It's so soft and tender. And then we hand-pull them, and we hand-pull them into that shape. It's almost like a pizza. It's got that high rim on the outside, really thin in the middle. It is a high gluten flour, not quite as high of a protein level as you say uh, you know, a bagel would be, but still pretty, pretty uh, serious including levels, and that gives you that chewiness, that nice, but you have more of those nooks and crannies, and that's why I, I lend that word to that English muffin, because it's got kind of the nooks and crannies, right. and it's got that to, that way of being like a fresh, delicious bread. And each one is different. That, they're all handmade. Yeah, I mean, each one is uh, crafted by a human being, pulled and loved. And, and you can actually, where, when you come to the store, you'll understand, but there, there's, glass in the <laughs> there's glass in the back that you can see it happening as... As you sort of go or as you wait in line here. So yeah. I guess so we we've interviewed a couple of other other bagel store owners and one of sure. them passed on a question. Chris Puglisi from uh, Tompkins Square Bagels. Thanks, Chris, for the submission. So he wanted to know why the Bialy doesn't get its due in New York City. Well, you know, th- and that's a really good question. I mean, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker through and through. And I always grew up. My dad would always get bagels and Bialy's together. They were never one without the other in my household. But my thought is this two things. A, there's a lot of sugar in a bagel. Sugar makes the medicine go down. As Americans, man, we like our sugar. It is what it is. So the bagel has that sweet appeal, right? It's malty. It's sweet. It's got brown sugar and or malt in it. And it is, I think, just quickly more attractive than something without. Now, the Bialis, I think, faded a little bit, too, because here it is. Bagels become this breakfast food. And it's not necessarily a religious food or anything. It's become this breakfast food. And Bialy's typically had onions or garlic. So it's a little, little more savory, a little less, you know, breakfast, right? So then you had lenders. Lenders decided to, to kind of do what they did with bagels, freeze them, and take them out of New York. And actually, it was in Connecticut. But he took them and put them out all over the country. And that really kind of opened up the nation for the idea of a bagel. Yet they didn't never saw the bialy like I grew up. There was never a bagel without a bialy. Well, the bialy has to be hot. You can't if you freeze it. It sort of defeats the whole purpose, right? Uh, yes and no. You can freeze a bialy. Bialys will handle it today better than ever. You know, you can if you package them properly after they come out of the oven. They're they're really hot. You gotta let them cool. You package them in six packs or like a nice kind of Ziploc bag if you take them home, and then freeze them. The secret to warming them up, and this is the same for a bagel. And I'll share this with you guys and all your listeners. But the secret is to use a toaster oven on broil, right? Because the outside, yeah, the outside's already nice and crispy, but the inside is kind of frozen. So if you cut it, put it, you know, the inside facing up and put it on broil, you're going to soften up the inside, which is going to hold all the moisture. Right. Right. And the outside's already kind of dry and crisp. So a lot of problems people have is they'll try to toast that bagel or bialy, and the outside gets even drier. 
don't toast the outside, just toast the inside, and that by, the, by that terms, you're also allowing that moisture that's trapped in the middle to seep back down into that crust, and you'll actually get a much happier product. So you can do it, it's just that uh, you know, people need to be educated on how to do it. And that's one of our plans too, is to educate people on how to take our products and take them home. And you, know, you wanna take them to Florida, no problem. How to do it and then be happy when you unfreeze them. I, I think I know the answer to this next question. What do you think the most important part of a sandwich is? The bialy, the schmear, or the fish? <laughs> it's like asking which of your children you love the most, <laughs> huh? <laughs> okay. Well, listen, you, all those things in the middle could be delicious, but if you don't have a good vessel to carry them in, it's, it's not a really good that sandwich. Was, I, that was my uh, yeah. predicted response. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard. And, it's not, and the truth <laughs> is, it's not just because I'm a baker and I own a bagel and Bialy shop. And it really is, if you think about it, and I don't care whether you're going to have a, your sandwich in a pita, a Kaiser roll, whatever. If that vessel is no good, you could have beautiful innards. What's the and, point? Oh, yeah, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I missed the mark on this one. So, yeah, it is probably the most important I, part. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think in the same aspect... If you have great bread, you could take a mediocre and know, make it and make and, it and make it something delicious, you know. So, so the bread can save everything else, but the other stuff can't save the bread. You know, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, to, I mean, to me, I'm a ratio guy. I like the crunch with the cheese and the fish. So I think maybe the bialy might be perfect for that because it's a little thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a scooped bagel in your case. But, yeah, no doubt. I think the Bialy fits a lot of people that... I think we're, we're pretty anti-scoop on this podcast, I would say. Would, okay, you, would no, you agree, no. Jake? Well, I mean, I just think that... I wouldn't say that we're purists, but we, li- we, like, our, uh, we like our bagels and our Bialys. The yeah, way that they're well, made. Right, right. The way that they're made, which is... I mean, I'll be honest with you. I can't say I've ever had a scooped bagel <laughs> in my life. I don't see the purpose. But I'm just saying that's, you know, there's, there's chocolate and vanilla. That's why there's, you know, Fair. something for everybody. Fair. Well, but, uh, but yeah, the, B- the Bialy may suit that purpose for you just perfectly. You well, know, it's, it's that right amount, that right ratio, where every bite you can have a crunchy, delicious with the... That's know, our right, hope. Right so we are, we're actually we're going to try a couple of them in our next segment. Thank you so much oh, for you're joining welcome. us. This has been really great. No, thanks for being Th- here. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, happy 80th birthday, or almost. When Thank is you. it? When is it specifically? Uh, I think it's officially August, late August, early September, I think. Uh, we actually have uh, been visited by the Kosars or their, what's left of their existing family. So maybe uh, we'll try and come back around then. Yeah, we, I'd love to have you guys. If that'd be okay. You want. Yeah, All right. of course. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, with that, we're going to dig into some sandwiches. When we come back, we're going to have Mention Schmuck in the Week and our review of the Big Short. This awesome. is Schmears of the Deal. Every episode of HGTV is like Craig and Stasia are looking for a two-story A-frame that's near Craig's job in the downtown, but also satisfies Stasia's need to be near the beach, which is nowhere near Craig's job. With three children and nine on the way, and a max budget of $7, let's see what Lori Joe can do on this week's episode of You Don't Deserve a Beach House. Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Jake Siwa. He's still Nick Feynman. We're at Kosar's. still Nick Feynman. How yeah. you doing? One day, we're going to sub out one of us. <laughs> so I'm no Jake Siwa. I'm Jake Siwa. Back happened. with Bill. No, they're still going to have to go by our names. I think that's They'll the rule. So we're, we dug in to the second bagel, and it is so good. So what, what, are, we munching, what are we That's m- totally my bad. That's what? sacrilege. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing out here, Jake? What are we munching on? So we have the garlic bialy. With really everything 
Schmitz Schmier and the Nova Salmon. It is so good. This is really good. I don't know. Where would you place this, do you think, on our rankings? You have it too? I have it too. Wow. Let me take one more bite. This is so good. Yeah, with the garlic topping with it all, that might put it over the edge. Oh, yeah. Really good. All right. Well, this is going to go on two on our top ten list, uh, which is on our website if you want to check it out. So um, if you hear that sound in the background, that is they are vacuuming the Bialy racks, getting ready for the next round of customers, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. a cool, cool little it, thing it's to see. They do, I think they do like a little turnover mid-afternoon, a little clean when the crowds kind of dissipate for that lunch make, and then regroup for uh, the evening crowd. For the evening. So let's uh, jump into our recurring segment. This is Mention Schmuck of the Week. Let's met. I think a is like a superhero. Those were the days when I was just a poor schmuck. They're looking at him like, what a schmuck. I'll lead off, I guess. Hey, you got the mention this week. So Who you got? I got Apple CEO... Tim Cook. Wow. As I mentioned, the week. He's had a big week. He's had a big week. He released a statement this week in defense of and essentially every single person that uses <laughs> Apple products. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. It takes a pretty... In uh, defense pr- of encryption in the yeah, face of the FBI. A pretty bold stand against the FBI and the United States government. I thought it was very cool, very bold, something he didn't necessarily need to do in the public... Uh, public eye, and he says he, he's uh, going to take the FBI to the Supreme Court over whether to unlock the San Bernardino yeah, so people's phones. He uh, he gets my uh, mention of the week nod. Pretty impressed with Tim Cook. And maybe you want to break down uh, encryption next week. We haven't really done it in the encryption debate. Sure. All right. All right. Well, maybe we'll do that next week. Um, so my schmuck of the week, a little different, is from a, some people we've talked about before. They were holed up at the Malheur. Native oh, Wildlife geez. Range, Eamon Bundy and crew out We're in back. Oregon. We're back. They weren't originally going to be my schmuck, and I'm gonna and I'll give a quick mention to my original schmuck, which was the Washington Redskins. For me, there are going to be many Washington Redskins schmuck <laughs> references, but they are refusing to resign Kirk Cousins, yeah, which is ridiculous. I saw that. Just resign the guy. Anyway, going back to the Malheur Native Wildlife Refuge, the FBI now says that Eamon Bundy and Co when they were holed up in there eating their dominoes and doing whatever they're going to do, they decided they needed an outhouse. So they dug a hole in a sacred burial ground, of native Americans. Nice. That's and a just, great, what and, a good look. And just filled it with poo. Oh man. What schmucks. What schmucks. And with that, let's move on to our movie uh, review of the big short. I don't know which, what else uh, to say. It will, it covers a, a group of, uh, Group of schmucks. It does. Well, it really does. Well, it questionably schmucks. It it, uh, it covers a group of fellas in a world of schmucks. So, do you want to give a quick overview of what the movie is? So the it takes place in the mid two thousands, with the lead actors being Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, and Bradley Pitt. <laughs> Correct. And they are. Four guys who basically, I mean, they, they short the housing market and make a lot of money when everyone, when everyone else <laughs> lost all their money. Correct. And I thought it was great. Uh, this was a great, great movie. It's directed by Adam McKay, who's more of a comedy This was director. different. This He's was sort of a different, but you saw that element in the movie. He directed Anchorman. Um, you d- oh, you definitely saw that element in the movie, and I thought that was part of the... Uh, 
part of it that works so well. I mean, they're really, really, I mean, it is, they take such a comedic dig at everyone in that world. It's very dark humor, I would say. I, I, I thought it was amazing how they used celebrity cameos to tell the story or explain the details of really boring aspects. Right, so what happens Selena is... Selena Gomez, Margot Robbie, the whole... Yeah, what happens is, as soon as one of the characters mentions uh, one of the really specific terms, <laughs> they just cut away <laughs> and say, here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub. To explain To explain to it. To explain it, it, and then she explains it for a minute, and then they move on, and it's... It's... What, what works so well for me in the movie was, was, and we talked about this last week, was I thought that the, all of the characters were so interesting because, you know, you look at a guy like Steve Carell's character in this movie, and he's legitimately torn, torn apart. He is emotionally wrecked by what he's doing because he's just profiting off of everyone else's misery and all these guys are the people you're rooting for are pe- they are you're they're rooting for them to succeed and they're very the much like they they very much can be looked at as good guys or bad guys correct in i mean they're, they're essentially the lesser of two evils in this in this movie and that makes them the quote-unquote good guys but they're but they're not that and that w- that's what makes them and, and again it's based on a true story so you, you know you can't really and it's based on the Michael Lewis book. Right. I'm personally a big Michael Lewis fan. Yeah. But he's sort of, he's famous for simplifying and making, not whimsical, but making tough situations enjoyable. And that, I think they really emulated in the movie, more so than most movies that adapt books. The one thing I will say, and I personally had a problem with it. Yes, it was fun. Yes, it was interesting. I thought it was a little too whimsical about such a serious topic that, Legitimately ruined See, a lot I of people's lives. That was somewhat, but that I was think that might be the point though. because it, it was, was the point. But I think the point was that it was a, it was a very pointed jab at everyone in that situation, and they used humor to essentially insult them. And well, and at the end, it's sort of like you've fallen off a cliff because yeah. it comes to a screeching halt, and then they have those credits at the end, sort of explaining, well, actually, they're still doing this stuff. And but do you think that was effective as opposed to people just going to for for people that are I thought it was you because thought it w- I, as a scare tactic well, almost what the end or well, just uh, think about it in like a bigger societal context besides just where be, beyond just a movie which was a great movie is this the appropriate way to be looking at what was such a disaster for the United well, States and to, eventually the world well you have to look at it specifically through the lens of a movie because we're talking about a movie Right, but and how I think does it, it I think this was people. the right way to, to approach a movie uh, version of this. I'm just curious, I really think I so, because tell. it has to be, you know, it's a pretty dense subject, and it has to be, you have to find a way to make it really to digestible. It and the easiest way to do that is, I think, what Adam McKay did with it, is to make it, to turn it into a very snarky, satirical jab at everyone in that world in the mid to late 2000s and I think he used it very effectively and for me this was either the best or second best film of the year. Can I say I thought beyond the whimsical part I will say one scene was really chilling to me which, which was? was the Florida scene. The Florida to when you really start to started to visualize what the hell was going on with the mortgages they were selling and yeah. how it was really affecting real people that to me was pretty amazing honestly I, I really loved it. 
what is what is something you didn't like about it? Because I know I, I personally still I liked it probably the second most of everything I've seen so far behind um, behind Spotlight, which we broke down. Both said was our sort of, or at least for me, was my pick to win Best Picture. What it what held it back for you? It's hard to put a finger on it because I think that most of it was wor- was working at a, a right. pretty flawless level. I think that. I just think I think that the hu- the humor even though it's what drove it to be such a good film right. is simultaneously what holds it back from you know like from truly, hitting the next truly level. greatness yeah but I, I I think that they maximized the material I just think that the material doesn't al- doesn't really allow for itself to be taken to you know s- like really breakthrough heights right so that, that's what I think holds it back. To me, it was the editing. And maybe it's just a nerdy thing. I know it was an on, it was a effect on purpose. They start, they cut off segments. They made, like, it was made almost to look like a documentary that wasn't perfectly done. It was, like, done. I think all shot handheld. Yeah, and it was, and it was quick. There were quick cuts and things that didn't, that weren't perfectly smooth. But for me, I, I understand the style. It just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. What do you and I understand it? Out of, uh, out of 10? I give it an 8. I loved it, and especially I really love Steve Carell. I think he's really transitioned. Yeah. I know he had before this, but he's really transitioned into a serious actor, and I, I'm a fan. You're giving it a nine. Wow. I think it's the first one I've given a higher grade than you. Correct. And so that ties the big short. In so between the two, which one do you take? Between the big short and spotlight. Sorry, that ties, ties spotlight. My apologies. Well, stick around for our next three to see if I rank one <laughs> even higher. I guess that's true. And then, yeah, maybe we'll do a little... Then Mad, we'll come out with a Mad Max next week. Yeah, we'll do Mad Max next week. I, I think I'd like that. I'm excited about that. All right, and speaking of madness, Kanye West. We'll break him down uh, along with in, a, uh, in the a few segments. other celebrities. And the final toast. This is Schmier's the Deal. But Kanye's absence was felt because the actual album of the year winner, Tay Tay, had some harsh words for Yeezy after he rapped on his new song, Famous. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that be famous. Kanye, I've been feeling the odds of you having sex with Taylor Swift are about the same as winning a Grammy you weren't nominated for. Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Nick Feynman sitting here at the counter at Kozar's with Jake Seawalk. We're having a blast out here, I will say. Yo, this vanilla rugelach is for real. The vanilla one? So, we, Jake, explain what we have for dessert. That was a great call. Explain what we have for dessert today. All right, so well, this is one of my favorites. This is really good. This I grew up with frozen rugelach. I, I grew up with rugelach in my freezer, like basically at all times. For people that don't know and what that is, you want to? Oh, they're these little, like I don't want to say cinnamon roll, but they're almost cinnamon rolls. Um, we have three flavors in front of us. We have the vanilla, the traditional cinnamon, as well as the chocolate, and um, the vanilla is so. I think the vanilla is. Gonna be my favorite, is my um, guess. I think I like the cinnamon just because that's the most traditional, but they're great, really so great. So as we break into these, let's break down a little bit, uh, I guess, of our final topic, which is cra- is crazy artists. Wha- are they crazy? Are they geniuses? Where's the line drawn? Where, where's Kanye the line West? between? <laughs> you really <laughs> like Kanye West as an example. There are a lot of other ones, man. Because he's out of his goddamn mind. I know, but there are so many other examples. Um, well, let's start with Kanye because we'll start with Kanye stuff. because he's in the news, and and let's let's we basically want to approach the subject of whether what's the line between 
creative genius and I don't want to say insanity, but insanity. <laughs> I'd say insanity. Because so I think a lot of people do cross the line. So really Kanye do. West, creative genius or insane? He released his new album, sort of. He did it with a Wait, fashion show at Madison Square and Garden. And released it on Tidal. On Tidal, which I actually, for work, purchased Tidal, so I've listened oh, to the album. It was, good. it was good. It was, it was Kanye West. Nick. It was Kanye you West. You disappoint me. And he also then sort of went off the deep end. He had this rant at SNL when they moved his stage where he said, quote, I'm more influential than Stanley Kubrick, Pablo Picasso. Kubrick? Kubrick, sorry. Stanley Kubrick, Pablo Picasso, St. Paul, and Pablo Escobar. Which by 50%. By 50%. Like not even by a little bit, by a lot. <laughs> which is a very weird way of saying you're better than people Listen, to me. Listen, he is so much better <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that was sorry. <laughs> that was sarcasm. Well, so I actually, before we break into the segment, I have a little game for us to play. All right. Or for you to play. So, Jake, welcome to our newest game show. Kanye West tweet or convicted murderer Charles Manson quote? Oh, you babe. All right. Which one you got? All right. <clears throat> quote, shut the fuck up and enjoy the greatness. Who said it? Kanye. Okay. Am I one for one? You're one for one. That's correct. Ding, ding, ding. We're not in Wonderland anymore, Alice. Manson. That was Manson. Yes. Remorse for what? You people have done everything in the world to me. Manson. Yes, wow. Woo! I did not think you would get that one. I mean, to be fair, I have a 50% chance <laughs> on all of them. That's true. P- quote, pain is not a bad thing. It's good. It leaves you better. Kanye. Manson. Oh. <laughs> and then two of my favorite Kanye tweets, just to show them, toss them in here. Quote, my favorite, my favorite measurement is, quote, a shitload. And my other favorite tweet by him, I make awesome decisions in bike stores. <laughs> Kanye West, ladies and gentlemen. So Kanye the question West. is, is he a genius or is he crazy? I used to think he was a genius. I did too. Now I think he has crossed the line, well, personally. I think that he's literally gone crazy. I think that he's had a psychotic breakdown and needs legit help. Um, I, I'm more interested, to be totally honest, in, in other subjects. I think that Kanye is like... Just the doorway. Well, I think that Kanye is the doorway, but I also think he's like pretty clearly on crazy. the crazy side of the equation. I think the like, SNL thing really let's, for like, me was Let's like talk about someone drop. like Lady Gaga, though. Like Lady Gaga... Like shows up to award shows wearing like in an egg or everything wearing a meat dress, um, <laughs> and, then, and then simultaneously wait, 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 was that meat dress? It was real, real meat. And then simultaneously she comes out and does. Like, Doesn't that smell? I've never know. worn raw meat, meat as clothing. I think raw meat's like if it's fresh, it smells like nothing. <laughs> but, um, but award shows are long. <laughs> By the end, could you imagine sitting next yeah, to her? I that don't, would be I don't, She may have changed. I don't know. Okay. Um, but then she does things like uh, show up and be pretty normal and. S- Sing just an absolutely beautiful rendition of the national anthem at the Super Bowl, or the David and Bowie tribute, which was yeah. Awesome. And so, it, for me, um, someone like uh, Lady G is on the Lady G. Is I think that she's very. I think she uses her crazy um, to uh, further herself as an artist. Do you think level of success is tied in? Because if pe- if someone's really successful, their crazy methods. So this is, don't this is what I was going to say to you. Isn't I? You know, I've spent a lot of. I wouldn't say a lot, a decent amount of time around actors, around actors. Um, and you do see that the more they, 
they very quickly, and this isn't just actors, it's just people that find fame I've, that, that, I, that I've met very quickly develop like really out of control uh, right. egos. Right, Re- like really out of control. But like, look at someone. Look at someone like Daniel Day Lewis, who everyone considered considered probably the best actor on the planet. Right, you would say. He wins every. Yeah. He wins an Academy Award every he time. Wins, he, yeah. Every time he does something. <laughs> look at him in Gangs of New York. In Gangs of New York, he refused to wear a jacket because it was not from the time period. For those who who, who don't know, he's like a, a very by the books method actor. Does year, so, almost always a full year of preparation. And you were telling me, like, th- for the Lincoln role, his wife called him Abe. And he, I think he lived in a trailer without electri- without running water, electricity, etc. Right. Crazy stuff. Crazy. Gangs of New York, he refused to wear a jacket of the time period, got pneumonia, refused to get modern medicine, modern medicine because it didn't fit. Just blacked out. Had to be taken to a hospital. And so I took him to the hospital when he passed out. He could have died. Or another, another example was Last of Mohegan's. He learned how to carve canoes and like skin animals and stuff like that. Because he's so successful, it's not considered crazy, right? But if it was just in a vacuum, you'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Right. So I think that he is an example also of, you know, when, like, I don't think that he, like, look at him compared to Kanye. Kanye started out pretty normal, making really, I think, great and revolutionary music. And then, for as other he, artists, and then for as him. he grew in fame, he grew crazier. So Look at Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis con- is connected to Kanye. When you look at someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Day-Lewis, as this is his acting regimen. Right. He the, he did this before fame, before right. notoriety. Um, he doesn't do this as an attention grab. He doesn't do it as um, a, a publicity stunt. He does this. This is the way he gets in the character, and this is why he's considered one of the best actors that has ever lived. And so for me, someone like Daniel Day-Lewis is, you know, he does things that I wouldn't do, but I think that Daniel Day-Lewis is a an absolute genius. Um, I, I don't think it's because... But crazy. Yes. I don't think it's because of... I don't even think it's crazy. I think it's just like an almost over-the-top dedication to his craft. And... I don't think he's to the point of harm to himself. <laughs> yes, which I guess <laughs> is crazy. Is crazy. <laughs> um, but I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But the appreciation level's there. Kanye doesn't have right. an appreciation level. Ex- exactly, and that's and so I think that's a really important distinction. I think like someone like Lady Gaga. I think she's al- I think she's always been like that. I don't think she's. I actually, when she sung the national anthem, I ha- I had no idea what she looked like. Because yeah. of all the crazy and like, see is like, see is like that. So then, really like, what about someone like uh, Tilda Swinton? Tilda Swinton did a show at MoMA uh, three years ago in 2013 called uh, Maybe, where there was a bed inside of a glass cube at MoMA, <laughs> and just not even the MoMA staffers knew she would just show up and then go sleep in the bed. <laughs> she just really didn't want to pay rent. People would go uh, watch her sleep and. Well, that, but that's like Shia, La- Shia LaBeouf too, right? Yeah, and s- similar to Shia, La- Shia LaBeouf. I mean, Shia LaBeouf does things that he just sits you know, in movie theaters. I mean, to be fair, at Tilda Swinton, she did it in the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> so that, like, what did Shia LaBeouf do? He sat in a movie. So theater? Shia LaBeouf sat in a movie theater pretty close where we are right now at the Angelica, um, which is at the intersection around like Lafayette and Houston, and he sat there in a movie theater for three days consecutively, watching all twenty-eight. 24 
all 24 or 28, something like that, of, of his films in reverse chronological order with a camera pointed at his face that you could watch on a live stream, and then uh, you could go watch with him. There was an eight-hour line I tried to go, but it was too <laughs> to long me, a line. To me, and people brought him food, and he just sat. He yeah. only took bathroom breaks. That's not art to me. That's cri- that's. I, I think it's interesting because I think time as a medium is really fascinating to me. But that being said, I'm pretty sure... Being stuck in a movie theater watching all of Shia LaBeouf's movies with him is what hell is. I have I don't know well, what it is, I mean, but I'm pretty was, sure that's what that is. I don't is. think that they made people do it. It was pretty optional. <laughs> to, to me, I think to me, I think these people, all of them are crazy, and it's completely gauged by society whether or not they're successful in what they do. I mean, I think every single one of them would be considered crazy if they didn't, if they weren't I successful. Don't, see, I don't necessarily agree. I think that if you look at a trend in someone's career and their personality and you see the crazy develop as their fame increases, their personality go off the chains or off the, off the rails, not chains, right. off the rails as their fame increases. I think that that's like what's happening with Kanye. I think that's, like, I think that's problematic. I think that but, when people like Daniel Day-Lewis, Lady Gaga, when they use that and harness it to improve their craft. That doesn't mean they're not crazy, though. If you saw Daniel Day-Lewis in being a stone but I don't, mason, I don't think that that's what he... He's not like that in real life. Like, he's a pretty normal person in real life. He's had a, he's one of the few actors right. that's been, you know, married his entire life right. to the and same woman. he does woman. stuff every once in a and, while, but that's... Um, and, yeah, that's like, point. acting isn't at the forefront of his life. That's just... That's how he dedicates himself to his craft. And I think it's pretty it. similar to Lady Gaga also. I, I actually think that she's significantly more normal in her day-to-day life than uh, people would expect. And I think that that's just the way they go about their medium, because they're they're ultimately uh, very creative mediums and or media, and so that's my take. That's my two cents. I agree. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's the line for me. To me, to me, I, I think it's the line is set by us, by all of us. And I, I, think, I, I think I think it's also very fair. I think Kanye has always been this crazy, but and he's always yelled at people because he has. He's always done crazy stuff. He he said that George Dave Chappelle tells a great story about Kanye. It's amazing, and we'll, 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 I'll, I'll post it. We'll on post Facebook it. It's, page. it's amazing. But the thing about the thing about Kanye is he's been this crazy, but this was probably his least successful album because people couldn't get it because he yeah. put it on title because he's a nut job. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but more than five hundred thousand people downloaded that album illegally in the first day because no one fi- could figure out how to get onto title. Supposedly, yeah. and that's they're saying that's the most an album has ever been downloaded legally, which is interesting. Jeez. Other other PSA, there's a GoFundMe page for Kanye who says he's that. he's broke. He, so he's in debt, fifty million dollars. Please do not go yeah, donate. Publicly to that. has asked Larry Page and Mark Zuckerberg for money. <laughs> and I guess as Kanye is sort of giving the middle finger to the world, let's move on to our final toast. All right, Jake, who you, who you toasting today? Well, I had come up with this final toast before we, deci- we decided on our segments. So final toast, Kanye. I, I mean, I, I'm... It's also before he took some other crazier I'm, terms. I'm toasting to his career because I think that it's his... It's dead? Not dead, but I think that it has hit its peak and is on Going the way down. down. So that's my, my final toast is uh, uh, to Kanye West's career. All right, and mine is to Paul McCartney. Unfortunately. Oh, I saw, I saw this. Sir Paul could not get into Tyga's post post Grammys party. They didn't recognize him. And they said that they said afterwards they said, well, he was at the wrong party. He was going to the back door. It doesn't matter. Let him in. Let the guy yeah. in. Yeah, let him he, in. If yeah, he can't Paul get to a party, there's no hope for me. There's no hope for you. There's no hope really for anyone. So, with that, we're gonna end our show. Like we always say, we'll do better next time. And stay toasty out there.
This week's Schmears the Deal is brought to you by Kozar's Bagels and Bialis on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and in association with Team Panther Productions. With a special thanks to John Mullaney and Stephen Colbert. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter, like us on Facebook, and for more information, go to schmearsthedeal.com.